loving Heavenly Father, as John the Baptist prepared the way for the Lord, we pray that you might prepare our hearts now to listen to you. We pray that we might have obedient hearts to hear your voice and to follow your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Just looking around the congregation, I wonder how many of you here are old enough to remember the coronation of Elizabeth II in 1953. Yeah, quite a number. I I was four at the time. You can do the maths. (laughs) And it's actually, it's one of my earliest memories. I can remember the excitement of hanging up bunting and flags all the way up and down our road. I had a new dress. It was my coronation dress, and it was in the colors of red, white, and blue. And my dad was actually one of the first people in our road to have bought a black and white television set. Now, the screen was really tiny. It was about that, it was about that big. The pictures were terribly fuzzy. You could hardly see what was going on. But half the road piled into our sitting room as I watched the service from Westminster Abbey. However, there was one incident that didn't get broadcast on that day, and it was this one. After all the guests had arrived at the Abbey and the congregation was seated, a squad of cleaners unexpectedly emerged with brushes and hoovers, and they proceeded to sweep the carpets so that they would be absolutely clean in preparation for the coming of the Queen. Well, in some ways, the prophet John the Baptist in our reading today was like those cleaners. He was sent by God to prepare the way for Christ's public ministry, to prepare for the coming of the King. And Advent, for us too, is traditionally a season of preparation as we anticipate the birth of Jesus And also, as Patrick reflected on last week, of his coming again as king. Now, by this time in December, the Christmas busyness is ramping up. And it can be all too easy to focus our Christmas preparations on the tasks of present buying and Christmas past writing. Um, All of us have different life circumstances, and maybe some here are preparing for Christmas, and a Christmas that might feel a little different or difficult because of changed circumstances or of the loss of a loved one. What might John the Baptist have to say for us in our individual life circumstances in terms of preparing ourselves spiritually for Christmas, for the coming of Christ our King? Luke quotes the prophet Isaiah of John, that he is a voice crying out in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so I'd like to use that analogy of pathways today as we think about John and his ministry to help us think about how we can prepare ourselves spiritually in this Advent season. So the Jews at this time, they were eagerly awaiting a Messiah or a Savior. And that careful historical record that Luke begins this chapter with 
would have rem reminded his original readers that Judea was now under direct Roman rule, under the governorship of Pontius Pilate, and the people were longing for liberation. But the Messiah that they got in Jesus was something rather different, and it was John who was preparing them for this. John would have been about 30 years old when he, we read in verse 2 that the voice of God came to him in the desert and he began his prophetic ministry. But John had always been a very special child, born to Zachariah and, in, and Elizabeth in their old age and set apart from the outset. John had in a way been preparing all of his life for this moment. We read that the voice of God came to him from the desert, and some versions say the wilderness. John had taken a desert path into the wilderness in order to hear more clearly from God. For the most part, God's prophets had been wilderness people. They'd withdrawn from civilization to be set apart for a special work. The desert was a harsh place, but the rugged conditions were a molding ground where in solitude, communion with God took on a particular intensity and his voice was heard more clearly. So the desert was John's personal training ground where preparation for his ministry began. Now, we sometimes talk about wilderness experiences today. It's usually thought of as a tough time where a Christian undergoes discomfort or trials, a challenging time where faith itself can be tested. But it can be in those tough times when, God, when the God of grace can renew and redirect us. It, it can also be a time of preparation for something new, for a new stage in our lives. C.S. Lewis once said, pain is God's megaphone. And it was out of the wilderness experience of pain and grief following his wife's death that Lewis wrote one of his most profound books, A Grief Observed. It's a book that's helped thousands of Christians over the last 50 years or so. Now, I hope there may be times in our lives where we deliberately withdraw in order to hear God more clearly. For example, on our Advent or Lent quiet days. But there can also be times when life circumstances can force us to take a path into the wilderness and if that's the case for you, then take heart that even there, God can refresh and renew you and maybe even prepare you for a new work for him. Well, John's ministry was to prepare the way for Jesus. Figuratively, as the prophet Isaiah said of John, to make the crooked paths straight for him, to fill in the valleys, to topple down the mountains so that everyone might see God's salvation. In the words of the angel who visited John's father, Zechariah, as recorded in Luke 1, John was to go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children 
and the disobedience to the wisdom of the righteous to make a people prepared for the Lord. So what might a straight, leveled out path look like in spiritual terms? Well, one very obvious thing about a straight path as opposed to a crooked path, a path that's level as, a path, uh, as opposed to a path that's wandering down through valleys and up over mountains, is that you can see a long way ahead. You can see ahead much more clearly. You also have much more of a sense of knowing where you're going. And John's mission was to prepare the people for the message that Jesus would bring to help them to see God more clearly. So let's pause with that analogy of a straight path for the moment. What things get in your way of seeing God more clearly? Of taking the longer view rather than getting bogged down in the valleys of your immediate circumstances? You might want to reflect on that as it applies to your own individual circumstances. But I'd hazard a guess that there's one common factor this time of year for all of us. And that is our preoccupation with the, all the extra things that we, need, we feel that we need to do for Christmas. As someone once said to me recently, I can't really get very worked up about preparing for Christ's return and I don't even know how many people are coming to Christmas lunch in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> you know, the immediate so often takes precedence over the important. The Jews were longing for a Messiah to liberate them from Roman rule. That was their immediate concern. But far more important was the salvation that Messiah was going to bring. Salvation to the whole of humankind, not just political liberation to one group of people in one particular place in history. John's mission was to prepare the Jews to this, to help them to see further along the path, to see God more clearly. Now, I promise myself that this sermon will be a Brexit-free zone. Uh, <laughs> But I couldn't help myself. If ever there was a situation where we cannot see a clear way ahead, let alone agree with where we ought to be heading, this has got to be a prime example. And if you are confused, disheartened, I just supply the adjective about Brexit. Brexit. Um, and you maybe want to have a sense of a longer Christian political uh, view, then I could thoroughly recommend a book by Justin Welby called Reimagining Britain, Foundations of Hope. It was He wrote it uh, just a year ago, um, and he looks at our future hope as a country through the lens of our Christian values. And I think it, it's, it's very good. I would thoroughly recommend it to um, just get a bit of a sense of the longer Christian view. But let's finally take a look a little bit more closely at the core of John's message of preparation. We read that John preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
immersion in the River Jordan, as symbolized by John's baptism, would have been seen at the time as a powerful sign of renewal. It would have conjured up images of liberation of the Jews from Egypt through the waters of the Red Sea, of a new life in the promised lands through the waters of the Jordan River. But the Old Testament prophets had declared that Israel's slavery was a result of Israel's sin, worshipping idols rather than their one true God. And the way to escape slavery, the prophets had said, was to return to God with heart and soul, that is, to repent. God had prophesied through one of the last prophets, Malachi, return to me and I will return to you. Hence John's agenda, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, preparing a pathway for the Lord himself to return to his people. Because this was the time rescue was at hand. Repentance literally means a turning around. In our baptism liturgy, those who are about to be baptized, or in the case of children, parents and godparents on their behalf, they declare to all present which way they intend to face on their future life's path. They declare that they turn away from the deceit and corruption of evil, from the sins that separate them from God and neighbor, and that they turn to Christ as Savior. John's ministry challenged his original hearers to consider which way they were facing on the pathway of life. Were they facing God or were they turning away from him? Would they be open to receive the salvation that Jesus was bringing or would they reject him? Well, you know how the story turns out. It would be lovely to think that if we once had made a commitment in faith to Christ, once we had turned to Christ as Savior, then we will keep our faces turned in that direction for the rest of our lives. However, the sad reality is that although our salvation is eternally assured by turning to Christ as Savior, we can ourselves from time to time wander off that spiritual path and face in other directions. At least speaking for myself, I know that I can and do. John's mission was to preach the baptism of repentance. And it challenges us to consider which way we're facing at the present time. In the Christmas season, there are all sorts of tempting detours open to us along our personal paths that might deflect us from facing Christ. Are we currently facing in the wrong direction and want to change direction and repent? Are we, if we're currently facing in the right direction, what might help us to keep facing that way? John had waited all his life to carry out the mission for which God had prepared him. He prepared for it, and when he is called, he took that step of faith and was obedient to God's voice. He had the final privilege of baptizing Jesus himself at the start of his public ministry, and hearing God revealing Jesus to the people when the heavens opened and a voice cried, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Fairly soon after that, John was imprisoned by Herod. He was beheaded. 
He wasn't given the full revelation of how Jesus would realize that salvation. John was no longer around when Jesus finally defeated sin and death in his death and resurrection. But in the light of what God had revealed to him, John was prepared to be obedient and to take a step along the pathway of faith by preparing the way for Jesus. Compared with John, we're in a more privileged position, as we know how the story of Jesus unfolded. In one sense, we can see Jesus more clearly, but we still live in hope, in expectation, in faith, that Jesus will return again and establish his kingdom on earth. We're currently living in the now and not yet of God's kingdom as we wait for the second coming of Christ. John's ministry speaks to us about being prepared in that waiting and maybe taking again, once, once again, the analogy of a pathway of taking small steps of faith those small steps that we're able in response to God's calling on our individual lives in the knowledge that God is faithful. And to quote a Chinese proverb rather than scripture, a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. So let me draw a few threads together as I close. Whatever path we find ourselves on today, John and his ministry represent both an encouragement and a challenge. Whether we choose to go into the wilderness or we're forced by life circumstances, it's often there that God can refresh and renew us and prepare us for a new work for him. How straight and level is our spiritual path at the moment What might help us to see past our immediate circumstances in order to take the long view and see God more clearly? Which way are we facing? Do we, as it were, need to take our spiritual bearings again in repentance so that we're fully turned to Christ? In this Advent time of waiting, of preparing, are we prepared to make a single small step of faith, wherever God might be calling us.